Welcome to the Daily Boogie. All right. Hello there. Welcome. Welcome to another ep of the DBP. It's the OG BB OMG. How the bloody hell are you? Thanks for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and other. Yes. Just like you are recognised on certain official documents, you will be recognised here as other. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to another episode of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am Boogie Bumper. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for sharing the show out. Hope you've had a lovely day. I certainly have. And thank you so much for allowing me to come on a little bit later. I actually, just before just, just before the show, I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. Let you in on a little hot tip. A little bit of hot goss behind the scenes very dramatic I was just about to go live and the president got in touch with me he said Boogie I know you're a great guy you're a tremendous guy hell of a guy you do tremendous work there on the on the on the internets and we love you we're big fans we're big fans of your show of your podcast I don't listen to it personally but I know people that do listen to it legally legally and so I just, I, I want to ask you a little, I want to ask a favor. Can we do a deal here? Can you just delay the start of your tremendous program? And it is a tremendous program. Because I've got to address the good people of Florida. I got to let them know how we're winning. We keep winning. And I said, absolutely, Mr. President. Absolutely, Mr. President. <laughs> Salute. It's true. True story. <laughs> no, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. It happened. No, it didn't happen. Of course not. That would be collusion. If the president got in touch with me and asked me to do something for him, why, he would be guilty of collusion and he would be whoosh, ripped out of there. Ripped out, thrown out on his ass. On his billion dollar losing 20 years ago ass. That's actually just before we get too into it. So, no, that didn't happen. That was just filler. Um, so I spent six and a half hours today watching one of the most comical things that I've ever seen. I'm a political junkie and have been for a long time. And that's not, it's, it's you know, it's politics wherever politics happens, which is most places around the world, except Venezuela, funnily enough. But most places around the world where politics happens, if something happens, I want to know about it. Because I'm sick like that. I'm twisted like that. I'm a bitter and twisted, cynical person. So where most people switch off and go, oh, I fucking hate it. They're all, they're all the same. I hate it all. I hate it all so much. I'm like, I want to know what's going on there. So I have watched hours and hours and hours of Senate hearings and debates here in Australia in the House of Parliament 
I have watched hours and hours and hours of debate and argument in the House of Lords and Commons in the UK. And I've watched hours and hours and hours of Senate proceedings and Senate hearings and congressional hearings and debates in the United States. And today, I, I don't think I've seen anything as comical as today. The I'm, I'm, Of course, I'm speaking about the contempt hearings to hold A.G. William Barr in contempt of Congress for, for one, misleading people apparently due to a letter that Bob Muller, well, somebody on Bob Muller's team, as we can best ascertain, somebody on Bob Muller's team accused William Barr of misleading the people, so that's one reason. But he's being held in contempt for not revealing, for not allowing a full unredacted version of the Muller report to go public, <laughs> something that he has no legal obligation to do. <laughs> We demand that you do something that you don't have to do. Well, I don't think I'll, I'll be doing that. Well, we're going to hold you in contempt. Okay. It was comical. And the the illogical the the illogical boundaries that were being broken by the minute. Like I couldn't keep track of it. How's this for an example of double think? People are saying from one sentence to the next. There is evidence of collusion and obstruction, and it's all right there in the Mueller report. All you have to do is read the Mueller report. Robert Mueller put all of the evidence in the Mueller report. There's enough evidence there. Anybody who reads the Mueller report can see that Donald Trump obstructed justice, can see that he was involved with Russians. Then the very next sentence, they say, we need the full unredacted report so we can get the evidence that Donald Trump obstructed justice and colluded with Russians. But I, th I thought you said that it's all in the report. Why do you need more? On top of that, people saying, anybody who, the Democrats saying, anybody who reads the report can, can see the truth, but none of the Democrats have read it. They admit that they haven't read it. There is, there is a almost fully unredacted version in a secure facility that Jerry Nadler at any time can go in and read. And we're talking like 0.1% of the report being redacted. He can go in there. He can take notes. He can read the whole thing. He refuses to do it. And then comes out on TV and says, we are being prevented from reading the full report. It is utterly insane. And it's all fake. It's all for show. Because the reality is he can actually go in and read it but he's telling the corporate press that he's being prevented from doing so. Why? Doesn't he know how to work a doorknob? Is that how it works? I don't understand. It's it's utterly insane. And it's all for the purpose, I can only suspect in my cynical brain, it is all for the purpose of getting people out there, low information people to just spew. Spew the line. Oh, it's a cover-up. What, a cover-up of the report that you have in your hand? Oh, he misled the American people. He should have released the full report. He did. <laughs> oh, no. He wrote a memo that mischaracterized the report. And that's a cover-up. Robert Mueller wanted to release 19 pages. He released the whole lot. <clears throat> We're being prevented from reading the full unredacted version. You can do it right now in the skiff, Jerry. It's, it's almost criminal.
I couldn't believe what I was watching. Unfucking believable. So I do have some some highlights and some lowlights to play for you. I don't want to spend the whole show on it, but I've got so much other stuff. We're probably going to have to carry a lot over to the free for all tomorrow night. Don't forget the free for all, the big one, the piece de resistance of the weekly proceedings tomorrow, 9 p.m. The free for all. And I'll put a tweet out early in the morning. So if you want to contribute your tweets, your clips, whatever you want to go through, whatever you want to shred, send it in and we'll do just that. Just a quick reminder before we get rolling, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash bookie bumper. Subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button in your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to hold me in contempt, you can do so by following me on Twitter at bookie bumper. Let's get this shit show on the road, shall we? Um, Full Circle over on YouTube said, Matt Gates said it best. I've got to say something about Matt Gates. <laughs> yeah, I'm not shocked, Sam. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> of Sam, always a pleasure. Um, Matt Gates, I've got to say, um, I can see, I, I don't mind him. I quite like him, but he is a smarmy little prick, isn't he? <laughs> Republicans, though, would say that's all right because he's our smarmy little prick if you're a Republican. But he's he's definitely a smarmy little prick. <laughs> it cracks me up the way he presents himself and the way he argues. I can I can see why he gets ve- he gets right under the skin of the Democrats. They really don't like that guy. So, but let's carry on. I've got to show you a couple of things. Held in contempt. What does House committee's vote mean for William Barr? Vote further intensifies the conflict between the Trump administration and the legislative branch of the US government. Democrats on the House Judiciary Committee voted on Wednesday to hold the Attorney General William Barr in contempt of Congress, intensifying the conflict between Donald Trump's administration and the legislative branch of the US government. The move by Democrats comes as Barr refuses to share with Congress the full unredacted version of Robert Mueller's report on Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. It's been gone over so many times. He has he worked with Robert Mueller to decide which parts of the report should be redacted. That never gets mentioned. There is certain information that William Barr is legally bound to not redact. Now, if they wanted these certain things that William Barr is legally bound to keep redacted, unredacted, they could change the law. I mean, they have the House. They could propose a bill to change the law. They refuse to do it. There is a, an almost fully unredacted version to the tune of 0.1% in a skiff awaiting Democratic eyes that can be read at any time of their choosing. They refuse to read it. Continuing on with the article. But the immediate ramifications of the vote were largely symbolic and unlikely to change the fraught negotiations over the special counsel's report or Barr's fate as attorney general. (laughs) So I'm watching all of the press conferences after today's proceedings. Jerry Nadler, other Democrats coming out. This is a dark time. This is a hugely important moment in American history. Have you noticed how many hugely important moments in American history have you witnessed over the last two years that really amount to not much other than ceremonial shit-flinging for the corporate press? Have you noticed that? This is a deep, this is a dark day. What does it mean? Not much. As admitted in The Guardian, which is apparently now a known right-wing conspiracy website, The immediate ramifications of the vote are largely symbolic. 
Bravo. We had to do this. We demanded to do this. <laughs> I want to play this little clip for you. This was, uh, I think her name is Martha Roby, who at one point was actually a never Trumper, believe it or not. So obviously uh, in the tank for Donald Trump, doing his bidding, a slave for Donald Trump. She'll do whatever he says, even though she's on record previously saying that she disagrees with Donald Trump on a number of things. Uh, I, th- I thought this was particularly effective today. I move to la- strike the last word. Gentlelady's recognized. Mr. Chairman, we've heard over and over again how the Attorney General has not accommodated this committee's demands, but let's walk through the timeline. I ask unanimous consent that the full timeline be included in the record. Without objection. On March 22, 2019, the Attorney General immediately notified the Chairman and Ranking Members of the House and Senate Committees on Judiciary that he had received the confidential report from the Special Counsel. On March 24, 2019, two days later, the Attorney General informed Congress of the special counsel's principal conclusions. This is important because shotgun style, bang, 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 bang. Most people do not watch these proceedings. Most people do not pay attention to details. Most people do not essentially care. What they take is the boiled down bullshit at the end of the day, the 30-second soundbite on the news at 6 o'clock, of some lawmaker coming out and saying, we're being denied access to the report. They're putting up roadblocks. And then that's where the conversation spews from. Those are the lines that people go out with. Take the tax return line, right? So the New York Times comes, a bombshell report. You know, during the 1980s and the 1990s, Donald Trump lost over a billion dollars. And they're all saying, nobody's ever lost that much money. Look at all the money he's lost. And I'm, I'm sitting here, in all honesty, and I'm thinking, so what? Like, what, 20 years ago? Who cares? <laughs> what difference does that make to anything? So the guy lost a lot of money 20 years ago. Who gives a fuck? What relevance does that have to anything now at all? Well, it shows that, you know, he's he lost money. I'm like, yeah, 20 years ago. 20 years ago. What were you doing 20 years ago? Probably wandering around, scratching your ass and bumping into things. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> I don't care. It's, it's irrelevant. But people just use that, pick up that line, and then they start to run with it. They get out on Twitter. They get on on Facebook. They have their little conversations around the water called, did you hear President Trump lost a billion dollars in the 1980s and the 1990s? Well, I never. Well, that proves everything. He's obviously in bed with the Russians. What? What? Who cares? <laughs> Let's carry on. See, because this stuff is important. Because you're going to get told how uh, AG Barr and Donald Trump and the White House are putting up roadblocks so people cannot see the full report. And I thought Martha Roby, in a, in a space of two minutes, just battleshipped it out of the water. Let's carry on. On March 22nd, 2019, the Attorney General immediately notified the Chairman and Ranking Members of the House and Senate Committees on Judiciary that he had received the confidential report from the Special Counsel. On March 24, 2019, two days later, the Attorney General informed Congress of the Special Counsel's principal conclusions. 
On March 29, 2019, five days later, the Attorney General updated Congress on the Department's review and outlined the four categories of redactions that the Department, with the Special Counsel's assistance, intended to make with the prior to the public assistance. release of the confidential report. On April 18th... Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller was really angry at the job William Barr did. That's why he helped him redact certain parts of the report, because he really didn't trust William Barr. He hated what William Barr did. He was so angry that William Barr mischaracterized the report that he sat down over a cup of latte and helped William Barr redact certain sections of it because he's working against, they're working against each other, you see. 2019, <laughs> less than a month after receiving the confidential report, the Attorney General made the redacted version available to Congress and the public. However, on April 18, 2019, the same day the Attorney General released the confidential report and made the minimally redacted version of the confidential report available for review, Chairman Nadler issued a subpoena to the Attorney General. The same day. On April 19, 2019, those House and Senate Democrats invited to review the minimally redacted confidential report wrote the department to refuse the Attorney General's offer. To date, not a single Democrat, including Chairman Nadler, has reviewed the minimally redacted report. <laughs> Anybody who reads the report can tell the truth. Any good, beast, decent person who reads the report knows the truth, that this president obstructed justice, that this president colluded with the Russians. Anybody who reads the report can tell it. Ipso facto, not one Democrat has actually read the fucking report. They were all sitting there in this hearing going, if you read the report, you'll see. You'll see the obstruction. You'll see the collusion as long as you read the report. Not one of them has read it. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Let's carry on. <laughs> on May 1, 2019, the Attorney General voluntarily appeared before the Senate Committee on Judiciary, providing more than five hours of testimony because he's hiding regarding the special counsel's investigation and confidential report. The attorney general had previously volunteered to appear before both the Senate and House Judiciary Committees. On May 2nd, 2019, Chairman Nadler's extraordinary and unreasonable demand that congressional staffers question the attorney general, a cabinet secretary in an oversight hearing, forced the attorney general to forego the hearing. On May 6, 2019, less than three weeks after issuing the subpoena, Chairman Nadler introduced a resolution to hold the Attorney General in contempt. Also on May 16, 2019, in an effort to accommodate the committee's interest, the department wrote Chairman Nadler emphasizing, quote, the Department of Justice continued willingness to engage in good faith with the committee on these issues consistent with its obligations under the law. End quote. The department offered to meet to, quote, negotiate an accommodation that meets the legitimate interest of each of our co-equal branches of the government, end quote. On May 7th, 2019, the department met with the committee staff to offer additional accommodations in exchange for the committee postponing the scheduled contempt vote, including DOJ would significantly ease restrictions on the review of the less redacted report to allow designated members and staff to more easily review the report and confer with each other. DOJ would expeditiously bring the minimally redacted version of the confidential report to the House of Representatives to facilitate the chairman's review. DOJ would meet next week to discuss the remainder of the committee's request, including prioritized requests for documents. 
DOJ also signaled it was open to further discussions and accommodations. This was done by DOJ in good faith. Just hours later, Democrats inexplicably and unreasonably rejected these additional offers. Let's say the thing is, it's not inexplicable and it's not unreasonable. It's reasonable if you understand the logic of the Democrats here, because the facts don't matter. The truth is irrelevant. It doesn't matter that the DOJ was willing to work with Jerry Nadler in order to provide him as much information as he wanted, because the whole point of this has nothing to do with uncovering some kind of hidden truth. It's got nothing to do with getting to the bottom of collusion. It's got nothing to do with getting to the bottom of obstruction. That's what the Mueller investigation itself was for. And remember, at the end of it, Bob Mueller came out and said, that we don't have anything here that we can prosecute on collusion. And on the question of obstruction, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Two years, two, 2,800 subpoenas, 500 interviews to get to the end of it from this masterful investigator. Bob Muller is a professional. Bob Muller isn't going to take no for an answer. You know, Bob Muller, he's a bulldog. He's going to go in there. He's going to wrangle the truth out of everybody. The walls are closing in. The noose is tightening, ladies and gentlemen. Donald Trump's going to get indicted. Donald Trump Jr. is going to get indicted. They're all going to get indicted. They're all going to prison because Robert Mueller is a bulldog with a bone in his mouth and he's not going to give up. He's going to get to the bottom of this. He's going to uncover the truth, damn it. And then he comes out at the end of it, hands over his report. So, Bob, where's the obstruction? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You figure it out. I don't know. Because the truth is irrelevant, because the truth has nothing to do, and because people don't care about any details, what uh, Martha Roby just outlined there, the timeline of events, it just shows you the, the, why it's wise to be cynical about these kinds of things. Because the Democrats, all they care about is getting in front of the TV camera and saying that the White House and William Barr is putting up roadblocks to them seeing the unredacted report when the reality is actually reversed. They are putting up the roadblocks. They're the ones stopping it. They're the ones who don't actually want to see the fully unredacted report because the point is not to see the fully unredacted report. The point is to keep the conversation going as long as possible. That's the point of all this. And hey, you know, you can, you can get angry about it. I don't get angry about it. It's just politics. This is what happens. Regardless of what side you're on, both sides do it at one point or another. I thought this was fun, just before I show you a little bit more of today's proceedings. Back in 2012, the then AG, a guy named Eric Holder, he was held in contempt by the then Republican-run Congress. And, you know, back then, the, the roles were essentially reversed. All of the Democrats were saying... You're just, you're just doing this for political reasons. There's no reason to hold this guy in contempt. This is an outrage. And they walked out. The Republicans were saying, this is the end of our democracy as we know it. This is a dark day. But you expect that, right? But this was a little compilation put together by Newsbusters, a fantastic website, putting together um, comments by the corporate press who, are, remember, the corporate press is supposed to be unbiased, objective. Remember, they're supposed to speak truth to power. They're supposed to hold the line. Remember how important the free press is to protect democracy, ladies and gentlemen. So look at what the corporate press was saying in 2012 when Eric Holder was being held in contempt. Check this out. 
Given what we know about the Republican Party and the way the House of Representatives conducts itself when run by Republicans and with a Democrat in the White House, it shouldn't really count as news when a House committee finds the Democratic Attorney General in contempt of Congress. Every single Republican voted to hold the Attorney General in contempt over this crazy conspiracy theory. Tell the Republicans <laughs> to stop this witch hunt now. Stop the He's witch right. hunt. Why go ahead with stop this witch hunt now? <laughs> A contempt vote. Look, there are certain internal documents that are not Congress's business. Oh, no, no, no. Everything's our business. We demand access to the full report, baby. <laughs> Why? It just looks like more of our broken politics uh, and vicious fights now out in the open. Awful. A party in the Congress that does just a... Hang on, I thought all of the broken politics and vicious fights started in 2016. Before that, everything was peachy keen, remember? About nothing to create jobs or to help people without jobs, no. decided the best way to do their job is to shower the Obama administration with subpoenas. See, if you're a person who watches Fox News all day, it is possible that you have been marinating in this conspiracy theory for long enough now that this seems feasible. Marinating, marinating, yee, in this conspiracy theory. <laughs> The exact same lines. <laughs> wow. Don't you just love it? <laughs> well, is this sort of stop and frisk at the highest level? Go after oh. the attorney general, get him to empty his pockets. It looks like stop and frisk, doesn't it? Let me finish with my personal views of the stop and frisk thing. And I don't mean to use this term too much, but it's almost like a stop and frisk. <laughs> For a lot of people, this is Republican versus Democrat, and they say this is just theater. It amounts to nothing. It is yeah. a distraction. It is politics writ large in, in Washington, according to most people. This is really much more to be filed in the category of politics than law. This is contempt kabuki. Uh, this is a classic case in Washington of where you stand is a matter of where you sit. When See, I'll, I'll actually come on here and tell you that, yes, it is theater. Yes, it is just politics. And it was politics when the Republicans were doing it back then, and it's politics when the Democrats are doing it now. But other people, comrades brothers and sisters, will try to tell you that it was politics back then, but right now, it's a dark day for democracy. Please. Please, children, please. What, did? are you goldfish? Did your memory only just start to work in 2016? What is old, what is new was once old and will be old and new once again or something or other. I'm not sure. Uh, actually, do you want to hear a little bit of Eric? A little bit of Eric Swalwell? Eric Swall, who's using every opportunity he can when he speaks to make a presidential campaign speech, <laughs> even when there is completely no context for doing so. <laughs> for what purpose does the gentleman from California seek recognition? Speak out of order for five minutes. Distract the last Strike word. Strike the last word for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. The last word is duly struck. The gentleman is recognized. Uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, I want to remind everyone why we are here. We are here because a report <laughs> chronicled an attack on America. We were attacked. Attacked. By a foreign adversary. We were attacked. And we have an attorney general who refuses to give us the details of that attack. So what do you do when you have an attorney general who prejudged the investigation before he took the job, who refused to recuse himself Remember, this came directly after Martha Roby's rundown timeline of events. 
once he took the job, doesn't address it at all. Falsely accused the FBI of spying. What? On the Trump campaign. <laughs> falsely accused. <laughs> Eric, 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 son, Sonny Jim. Even the New York Times and the Washington Post were bragging about how the Trump team was being spied on. Clappers, Clapper came out the other day and said, well, if you were to take the dictionary definition of spying, then yes, we spied on Trump on the Trump campaign. We're investigating the Trump campaign for... What the fuck do you think the last two years was about? <laughs> You know, this wild conspiracy theory that the FBI was looking into the Trump campaign. I mean, come on, people. This is insane. This is crazy stuff. Elizabeth Warren, ladies and gentlemen. Any human being in this country other than the President of the United States. Robert Mueller put all of the facts together for us, put oh. all of the information together for us, ah and abided by the Trump administration's declaration yep. under the Office of Legal Counsel yep. that a sitting president cannot be indicted uh, for his crimes. Uh, okay. He handed it over mm -hmm. to the Congress yep. of the United States of America. Who has refused to read it. <laughs> to do our constitutional duty. Who's refused we to read are it. a government that works by separation of powers. And by not reading documents. We are not a government that circles the wagon around a leader and says everything else falls away. Right. Instead, we say there are powers that are given to the president mm -hmm. and powers that are given to Congress, and each operates as a check on the other. The information that has been given to us in the Mueller report clearly constitutes adequate information to begin an impeachment proceeding in the House of Representatives. Okay, so why do you need more information then? See, this is this is the brain-twisting, illogical dance that's happening on a daily basis now. On one hand, we need more information, we need the underlying evidence, we need unredacted versions of the report. On the same token, we have all the information that we need to proceed with impeachment. It's utterly insane. It's mind-bending. But again... You have to start from you have to start from an understanding. You have to start from an axiom and not just not just think it but know that the truth does not matter. And I know it shouldn't be that way and the sh the truth should matter and the facts should matter but they just don't. They just don't. If the facts and the truth matter, we wouldn't be here. She wouldn't be making this speech. You wouldn't have seen six and a half hours of the shit show that you saw today in Congress, which, like I said, I've watched. It's got to be thousands of hours of debate and Senate hearings in, in political systems all over the Western world. Just because I'm a bit of a sadist like that. And I've, I've seldom seen anything like I watched today. Pure insanity. And as somebody who doesn't have like any skin in the game, as an outsider looking in, I was just like, I, you know, the mouth open and bits of popcorn like falling out onto the floor. What? What the hell are these people talking about? Insanity. One more. Let's let's watch one more. Who seeks recognition? Mr. Chairman. 
For what purpose is the gentleman... We'll strike, we'll strike the last word. Gentleman's recognized. Bill Barr is following the law, and what's his reward? Democrats are going to hold him in contempt. I don't, think the, I don't think today's actually about getting information. I don't think it's about getting the unredacted Mueller report. I don't think last week's hearing was actually about having staff question the Attorney General. I think it's, as my colleague said earlier, I think it's all about trying to destroy Bill Barr because Democrats are nervous he's going to get to the bottom of everything. He's going to find out how and why this investigation started in the first place. Never forget what Bill Barr said a few weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago, when he testified in front of the Senate Finance Committee. He said a lot of important things, but he said three, excuse me, four very interesting things. First, he said there was a failure of leadership at the upper echelon, term he used, upper echelon of the FBI. We all know that's the case. Director Comey's been fired. Deputy Director McCabe fired, lied three times under oath, according to the Inspector General. FBI Counsel Jim Baker demoted and left, currently under investigation by the Justice Department. Lisa Page demoted and left. Peter Strzok, Deputy Head of Counterintelligence, demoted and fired. Peter Strzok, the guy who ran the Clinton investigation and the Russian investigation. There was certainly a failure of leadership at the upper echelon of the FBI. Second thing the Attorney General said three and a half weeks ago in front of the Senate Finance Committee, spying did occur, said it twice. Yes, spying did occur. Third, he said, there's a basis for my concern about the spying that took place. And maybe the most interesting thing, two terms he used that frankly I find frightening. He said there was, in his judgment, he thinks there may have been unauthorized surveillance and political surveillance. Scary terms. We got to go back to January 3rd, 2017. Senator Schumer on the Rachel Maddow show talking about then President-elect Trump says this. If you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. Now, I don't know if the FBI went after President Trump in six ways, but I sure know they went after him in two ways. <laughs> And the first one is the now famous dossier. On October 21st, 2016, the FBI used one party's opposition research document as the basis to go to a secret court to get a warrant to spy on the other party's campaign. That happened. Democrat National Committee, the Clinton campaign, paid Perkins Coie Law Firm, who hired Fusion GPS, who then hired a foreigner, Christopher Steele, who did what? talked to Russians, and put together this salacious, unverified document that became the basis to get a warrant to spy on the Trump campaign. Whoa, 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 Jim, Jim, slow down there, Jim. Jim, slow down. No, no, no. I think I think what you'll find here, Jim, is uh, Trump is a racist. Um, he hates women. We know that. He's Islamophobic and homophobic, of course. Don't, don't forget anti-Semitic. And when we add all these things into the mix, I think you'll find that Vladimir Putin is running everything and the Democrats are really just looking for justice. They just really want to see the unredacted report that they have access to but refuse to read. And after 22 months and $25 million and 2,800 subpoenas and 500 interviews, to come out at the end of it, Robert Mueller, the bulldog, the bulldog Robert Mueller, the hard-nosed investigative genius of Robert Mueller to come out at the end of it and say, obstruction, eh, I don't know, you figure it out. <laughs> so we have a job to do, Jim Jordan. So, you know, you can raise all these points, these these recorded facts of people paying people to speak to Russians in order to come up with weird stories about prostitutes urinating in beds that never happened. That's, that's all well and good. 
But the reality is Trump is a racist. He's evil. And William Barr should be held in contempt because he's putting up roadblocks to us viewing the report that we refuse to read. Done. 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 (laughs) I could do so much more on this, but there's a couple of other stories that I want to get to as well. Um, Here's one for you. This is going to be a story of encouragement, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Now, this is this is pertaining to a guy in Australian politics. And before you switch off and go, oh, my God, who gives a fuck what those colonial beer-swilling pigs think? Here's, here's something for you. Mark Latham defends Western values and Israel Folau in Parliament. First up, Israel Folau. He's probably the most talented rugby player here in Australia, but he's a devout Christian and he's a preacher at his local church as well. And he put something on Instagram, something like sinners go to hell, you know, drunks, homosexuals, blah, blah, blah. And now the rugby, like the Australian Rugby Union wants to fire him so he can no longer play football for hate speech, believe it or not. Now, Mark Latham was a guy who actually ran for prime minister for the left wing party in Australia. That's correct. That When was that? Brett will know. Brett, Brett's in the chat. He's an Aussie. Um, was that was that the 2004 election, Brett, when he ran against John Howard, Mark Latham? Mark Latham was in charge of the Labor Party. Now, between the years of 2004 to today, Mark has undergone a transformation. And that's this is why I want to show you that, yes, it can happen. People who lead left-wing parties can then come back they can be brought back from the depths of insanity. They can see the error of their ways. This was Mark Latham's first speech after he was elected to the Senate. So he gave up politics after he ran for prime minister and failed. He didn't win that election. He gave up politics. He's since been uh, he's since been awarded a lifetime ban from his former party that he used to lead because he speaks out against them so much. He now runs. Um, he now represents. One Nation, which is kind of like, uh, you know, it's like a a minor right-wing party. So they get about 10% of the vote to the right. So he's gone right to the other end of the spectrum. This was his first maiden speech after being re-elected into politics, this time at the state level in the upper house of New South Wales. Check this out. So he's gone from left leader of the left-wing party to this. It's in our nation to treat people as we find them to judge them on individual merit, their work ethic, their community contribution. This is what makes identity politics, subdividing our people on the basis of race, gender and sexuality, so foreign to the Australian way. Just as the old Soviet Union fell over because human nature wanted economic competition and individual wealth and excellence, I believe these new mutant strains of social control, identity politics and postmodernism will also fail. They run contrary to the nature and the evidence of our lives. Mr President, I ran for Parliament to be part of the fight back for freedom and fairness. One Nation in New South Wales took 34 detailed policies to the election, including a package for human rights reform. We believe New South Wales needs new laws protecting freedom of speech, especially on university campuses where so much of academic and student freedom has been lost. Sometimes we laugh at the absurdity of political correctness, but at its core, it's an insidious movement, a handbrake on liberty. 
If you control someone's language, you control a big part of their lives. How they interact with others, how they communicate in, in society, how they have a sense of belonging. Like every other Australian, I own my own words. I know what they mean. Like so many Australians, I refuse to allow my words to be controlled by strangers, by the elites with their confected outrage and PC censorship. In truth, in our society, offence is taken, not given. It's a personal choice based on assumptions about what someone meant by their words. Yet the only person speaking those words truly knows what was meant. As the great John Cleese has pointed out, telling a joke about someone doesn't mean we hate them. In fact, we love the people we joke about. We love the Irish, the blondes, the gays, everyone, <laughs> as they've helped to bring humour and joy into our lives. The other problem with political correctness is in knowing what's genuine and what's not. So much of the offenderati, the outrage industry, involves the fabrication of offence. The offenderati. Saying that their feelings have been hurt solely for the reason of closing down their politi political opponents. PC is riddled with these internal contradictions. Let me give an example from this parliament. Pause for a sip. Labor MPs are not allowed to say two words. White flight. Remember, he was the leader of the Labor Party. Even though they're a truthful expression of what's happening in Western Sydney, having been identified by Luke Foley. It's a sad day for a democracy when MPs can't talk about the evidence in their electorates. Then last year in the Blue Mountains, when Michael Daly launched a wrong-headed attack on Asians with PhDs, the two Labor MPs in the room stood mute. So the Labor leader who had it right, Foley, his words can't be repeated, while the one who had it wrong went unchecked for months on end. Go figure. Go figure the logic of that. The once leader of the Labor Party, his full transformation now complete, rallies against political correctness and censorship in Australian political life. Isn't it wonderful? Things are happening. Things are changing, ladies and gentlemen. And you can be brought back from the depths. You can be brought back from the depths of insanity to see common sense, to see reason. If the leader of the left-wing party in a modern democratic nation like Australia can do it, so can your idiotic friend down at the park so can your liberal co-worker. So can your brother, your sister, your mother or your father. If the guy who had so much invested in left-wing politics is capable of stepping back from the brink and addressing core problems that are running through like a cancer in all Western, modern Western societies, then surely your friend who serves you breakfast at your favourite cafe can as well. Don't give up. Don't give up. Uh, this was sent through by Shana. It's it's a Donald Trump meme, but she said, I laughed at this. Am I allowed to laugh? Yes, of course you're allowed to laugh. You're supposed to laugh at things. So let's check it out. If we don't get what we want, one way or the other, whether it's through you, through a military, through anything you want to call, I will shut down the government. Okay, Absolutely. fair enough. And I, I am proud, and I'll tell you what, I am proud to shut down... When the prince is looking at him like that... <laughs> On the government. I laughed. I thought it was fantastic. Well done. Uh, by the way, 2020 is at risk of being dominated by deep fakes, ladies and gentlemen. Memes. Memes. Deep fakes is going to be the term. Deep fakes is a term used like for 
people who make pornos and stuff like uh, so fake celebrity nude photos and shit. But what's going to happen is the corporate press is going to take that term and then apply it to everything. Like like what we just watched then, that will then be called a deep fake. You know what I mean? So they are going to try and ban memes. Instagram recently came out and said, we're going to fact check memes. Legislation passed in the EU uh, recently over, what, three weeks ago. Article 13 is an attempt to rip memes off the internet. So this is uh, MSNBC today talking about deep fakes, which remember, they're calling it deep fakes now, but they're just going to apply that term to memes because they love, they love using shallow applications of words for things that are not. Welcome back to Velshi Rule. The so-called fake news is reaching a whole new level. We are looking at a new phenomenon called deep fakes. Deep fakes are videos or photos made with artificial intelligence that look so real they are almost impossible to spot. Yep. People who create deep fakes can use free apps to digitally modify the look of a video or a photo that's been posted. Think like a soul and carpe domptum, okay? Posted online. For example, take a look at this woman who is not a real person. The picture you see is a composite of other people's faces. But an image like this can be used to front a social media account, which can then spread ideas and opinions. Comedian Jordan Peele used a familiar face to make his own deep fake video to educate viewers about the potential danger. Take a look. We're entering an era in which our enemies can make it look like anyone is saying anything at any point in time, even if they would never say those things. So. Uh, For instance, they could have me say things like, uh, I don't know, uh, Killmonger was right, or uh, (laughs) Ben Carson is in the sunken place. You see, I would never say these things, at least not in a public address, but someone else would. Someone like Jordan Peele. I declare that Donald Trump hates the Negro, that the Republican Party wants to lock up children in cages. If you have a business, you didn't build that. Somebody else built that. I did not say these things. <laughs> you can't have an air conditioner. Hope and change. If, if, if I didn't say any of those things, we don't have to listen to this okie doke. The technology used to make deep fakes is getting better all the time to create more and more convincing videos and images. Here's House Intel Chair and Congressman uh, Adam Schiff. Just, I just want to give you a little heads up. I'm actually a deep fake. I'm not really here. I am an AI uh, subversive AI bot who has been unleashed on the internet for the sole purpose of diminishing the legitimacy of corporate news. On why deep fakes are so concerning. I am Russian. Because if the Russians or anyone else chooses to, <laughs> they can inject into the American political... I didn't know that he was going to blame the Russians. <laughs> oh, no. The jig is up. They're onto me. Bloodstream close to an election, a completely forged video yeah. of Joe Biden or Donald Trump yeah. or Bernie Sanders or anyone they choose. Yeah. Uh, and it would be almost impossible in the weeks running up to an election to be able to prove that it was a fake. Yep. 
Joining me now, NBC News reporter uh, Ben Collins. Ben, people believe absolutely provable things that are wrong. That are wrong. This is a whole new level because if you can't actually tell uh, that something's fixed or modified, uh, the influence can be very dangerous. Right. Sure. And, uh, frankly, this is how we caught the Russian trolls last time. This is a way to get around it. You know, we caught the Russian trolls because they were using fake identities from this Russian website called VK, which is like right. Facebook. Right. If you have those, if you have those things that, that gee, won't it be fun in the future if they just start banning people off Twitter because they'll accuse them of being a deep fake i mean this is the guy this is the very same guy who you know three days ago was applauding and cheering the removal of people off platforms like facebook yay get rid of them get rid of them get rid of them we hate them they have no right they shouldn't be allowed to express their well-held opinions fuck them get them off there they're damaging democracy and now now we're supposed to believe that this guy is so concerned about AI, AI constructing fake personalities that you won't be able to tell the difference of. What's the difference? Just ban everyone everywhere. Just let's just ban Twitter, ban Facebook. If that's if the problem is Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and Google, then just ban the whole fucking lot then. Okay? Done. This person does not exist.com thing. Those are instantly created. You can go there right now and just refresh one, create a new identity, and it'll never be known if that person is fake or not. So like even without a lot of creativity, you can create a brand new identity, spread a lie through that identity, and not get caught in time for anybody. How do we know this guy's a real person? Honestly. How do we know this guy's real? I, I need to see more. I need to see more. So this is my bold prediction in the months leading up to uh, the next election in the United States in 2020. The term deepfake will be merged from this sophisticated software that can make, you know, make it appear like President Barack Obama is giving an address to really poorly made memes for comical purposes. And they'll all have to be banned because it'll be in the wording. It'll be the way they write the law or the way that they write the terms of service. You know, you shall, uh, you know, it is against our terms of service to create video impersonations of people doing things or saying things that they haven't done, something like that. And it'll say, this is aimed at deep fakes, but then they'll just start ripping off all of the people who make those memes, like Sol and like Carpe Donctum. That's my prediction. Uh, speaking, like things like this, for example. <laughs> that was sent through by Ernie Fakes. There you go. Just one more story before we finish up. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. I like to end on a high note. The trend that is that is uh, spreading throughout the Western world, you are absolutely going to love this. Uh, last week on the free-for-all, we went over the story from Middlesbrough in the UK where people were painting with spray paint on the road big penises over potholes to force the local government to fix the potholes. Do you remember that? I mean, some of these people have been putting up with potholes the size of the Grand Canyon for over 12 months, and the council's like, eh, fuck them, we'll fix it when we feel like it. So some very industrious, creative genius in that local constabulary went around to all the potholes and spray-painted a nice, big, giant cock over the top of them. <laughs> Airy balls and everything. And so next thing you know, lickety-split, the local council's out there with the cleanup crew and the road crew to fill in the pothole and, and wash the paint off the road. And I was like, bravo, that's how you get things done. See, in the age of the internet, ladies and gentlemen, 
These kinds of ideas are not confined to local areas. Word has spread. You can't kill an idea. Ideas that work spread like wildfire across the vastness of time and space. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Philadelphia. Police call it criminal mischief. Some say you gotta do what you gotta do. We're talking about this right here. So dirty, we can't even show you. <laughs> what? When did America become so censorious? I don't understand. You're allowed to show the big fat giant penis in the UK publications, but for some reason on American TV, America, in, in of all places, you're not allowed to show it, which I find amazing. You can watch Game of... People, the whole country, the whole world is talking about Game of Thrones where rape fantasies are played out on a weekly basis, but we can't show a depiction of a penis on a road spray-painted somewhere. That's too much. That's too much. <laughs> Doesn't make much sense to me. But... but I can tell you, it's certainly getting some attention. Yeah. You can see the outline still there. Yeah, I see, I see it. <laughs> it's hard to miss. Take a look. Right there. Right in the middle of the street. So you can make out what that is right there, right? Yeah, it's a d <laughs> hard to miss. <laughs> Fed up and angry over this hole on 17th Street near Tasker, someone decided to show their frustration by drawing an obscene image. Obscene I feel like it's ridiculous. Image. It's horrible. I mean, I understand. They're not even allowed to say it's a penis. And, you know, that we needed to, the streets need to be. This is a phallic revolution to hold councils accountable for the potholes in their area. I love it. Fixed, but this right here don't make no sense. See, if you want to go around spray painting things on walls, don't 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 do something pointless like tags. You know, don't spray communism now or some shit like that. If you really want to hold the government accountable, comrades, if you want to whop on the black mask and wear the black pajamas and head out late at night to, you know, you know, push 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 back in the face of power, step up to the man. Show the man who's boss. If you want to do that, don't waste your time spray painting the side of a train. You know, don't spray paint some poor guy's fence. Go around, do the do actually do a community service. How many people would actually be in favor of Antifa if they went around spray painting potholes, getting potholes fixed? This is a PR masterstroke waiting to happen. So if anybody from Antifa is listening, if you want to change your image in the public, Go around, find all the potholes in your area, spray paint a big fat penis over the top of it. The council will then come out and fix it and just leave a little calling card. Courtesy of courtesy of Antifa. Antifa, now with a social conscience. Here's what it looked like before someone slid the metal cover on it. <laughs> Neighbors like Marley Finkelstein understand the anger. This hole has been there Marley for weeks. Finkelstein. The constant loud banging drives them crazy. It keeps us up all night. Yeah. We were wearing earplugs at night. It's crazy. Philadelphia's Streets Department tells us while we appreciate a resident using an imaginative way to get our attention, <laughs> the best way would be to just call 311. Bullshit. The people probably called 311 311 times over the last six months to get you lazy, overpaid pricks out of your office to fix the pothole. And you probably said, well, you know, that. It's going to kind of late. <clears throat> we'll get round to it. What are they going to do? Eh? What are they going to? What are you going to do about it? Huh? Huh? So you're complaining about a pothole, are you? What the fuck are you going to do about it? Huh? <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> Big fat cock. <laughs> 
Finkelstein claims her husband did that about two or three weeks ago. Now they are left staring at a metal cover and the dirty graffiti. What do you think about that? Somebody drawing that on there to get people's attention? Um, I think it's ridiculous that the city, you know, it's the only time you get them to respond. Hey, guys. <laughs> Stop the hammering. Stop the banging. What do you think about somebody drawing that over that to get the city's attention? Well, I think it's ridiculous that it took the city that long to respond. Exactly the right answer. Graffiti with a social conscience, ladies and gentlemen. I absolutely love it. So, as always, I had so we've got so much stories, so many stories that I had through the week that I just couldn't get to. They're all going to be pushed back to tomorrow, the free-for-all. So, if you want to join us tomorrow night, 9 p.m., the Daily Boogie free-for-all, I will put a tweet out in the morning for you to add your contributions, any articles you want us to go over, any clips that you want us to review. And please get involved and join us at 9 p.m. tomorrow. Just a reminder, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to draw a big fat penis over my pothole, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Don't forget, you can also join the Discord open debate, free speech, all of that, all of those wonderful things that must be ripped out of the public square immediately. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, and don't forget to follow our friends, Chris Mack, who I think is coming up shortly, at ChrisMC44, James R, at RealPersonPLTCS, for the best 15-minute data download, shotgun-style presentations on the interwebs. Until tomorrow, guys, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for downloading the show. Stay calm, stay rational, God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. one penis at a time. Isn't it nice to see penises are actually solving problems for once instead of creating them? Thanks, Neil. Heroic penis, enemy of the pothole. Exposing government laziness. One phallic representation at a time. The Penis Patrol. The well-hung heroes of 2019. All right, guys, see you tomorrow, 9 o'clock, free for all. Bye-bye.